Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Now Paul and Silas here, to get the context here, have been thrown in prison for preaching Jesus Christ. There's coming a time in America that you will be thrown in prison for preaching Jesus Christ. There's going to come a time in America that you'll be uh, persecuted for believing what you believe. And there's also, it's coming right now where just believing what you believe about the Word of God and what it says about homosexuality will get you persecuted in, uh, in America. It's a sad uh, state we're living in. But notice what Paul and Silas do about it. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. That's a blessing. To be in the middle of the prison, to be way down deep in the prison, and then start singing praises, and to start praying and singing praises to God. What a blessing. But you know why they were able to do that? Because they stuck together. They stuck together as believers in Jesus Christ. There's nothing worse than to be lonely, to be all alone. Guys, you're not all alone. We're in this together. Not only do you have the Lord Jesus Christ living in you, but you've got other believers. And even if you're saying, there's nobody else I know that believes like I do. No, don't, don't fool yourself. Just like I got that globe lit up this morning. There's people all over the world that believe just like you believe. Now, you might not be able to get a hold of them. You might not be able to get connected with them. But they're there. You're not alone. There's a lot of us. Now, the world might try to tell you that you're strange and alone, but you're not alone. I'd rather, I'd rather be strange and be with Jesus Christ than to be straight with this world because it's a wicked place. But notice what verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been Fled. Now, Acts chapter 12 tells us that if a keeper of a prison, if he loses those prisoners, he, he was put to death. That's why he was going to kill himself. They were put to death. If you couldn't take care of the prisoners, the jailer was put to death. That's why he's about to kill himself. But look at verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called, the, the jailer, he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. Amen. I want to preach this morning the most important question you can ask and the most important answer you can give. First thing I want to point out to you Christians as you're sitting out there, I don't know where, where you're at or what problem you might be in or where the Lord's got you, but notice... This question can't be answered if they're not there in the middle of their troubles. When that, those doors opened up and the jail was open, they could have ran out. But Paul and Silas decided to stay. They decided to stay in the midst of their troubles, and the Lord gave them opportunity to save a household. Who would a answer the question if Paul and Silas would have took off? Because they needed this question to be answered. This man, jailer, had the question. And this question is the most important question a lost person can ask. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The question admits, the question says, what must I do to be saved? That question admits you need help and you're in trouble. Amen. That question is why it's the greatest question a lost person can ask is, that's a question that admits, it admits that you need help and you're in trouble. Because you say you need to be saved. Well, if you need to be saved, we were talking about this in Sunday school, that means you need to be saved from something. From doom. You need to be saved from doom. You need to be saved from destruction. From judgment. You need to be saved from a place called hell. 
That's what you need to be saved from. But you've got to admit that. And that's what this question says. This question admits that you need to be saved. This question admits that you have the trouble is with God. This question admits that the trouble is with God because notice he says, sirs. He doesn't go ask his friends this question. He doesn't go ask the magistrates this question that threw Paul and Silas in prison. He asked the men of God. And when you ask a man of God this question, that means you think that God and you have a problem. And the problem is between you and God. And this man of God, these men of God can help you out. He's going to the right people. What's, what's wrong sometimes in the world is they go to the wrong people to ask the wrong questions. I had a friend that I worked with there at the city of Brownwood, and he had a Jehovah's Witness we worked with. And this Jehovah's Witness, every day at lunch, was messing with him. Every day at lunch was talking to him. And this Jehovah's Witness was talking to him about religion at lunch, and he was doing this on and on. And I told that guy, I said, are you getting tired of it? I asked that friend of mine, are you getting tired of it? Because I would never tell somebody to believe what they want. You've got to learn for yourself, amen. I said, well, are you getting tired of it? He goes, kind of. I said, well, let me give you a question to ask that guy. Simply this, what must I do to be saved? Ask him that. See what his answer is. Because I gave him the answer in verse 31. The answer is real plain. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the answer to that question. And I told him, if he gives you any other, if he gives you any other answer, he's not of God. Amen. He gave him the question. And you know what that guy, Jehovah's Witness, told him? Well, it's just not that simple. <laughs> yeah, it's not that simple if you're a Jehovah's Witness going to hell. But if you're a born-again believer, the answer is real obvious. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You've got to ask the right question to the right person. This question admits you need to do something about it. This question admits you need to do something about it. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? That question admits you've got to do something. There's, the ball's in your court. God's already done everything for you. God's died on the cross of Calvary. He shed His blood. He's made a way to get into heaven. He's made a way to get out of hell. He's got a way to save you from going to hell. He's got a way to wash away all your sins. Now the ball is in your court. It's up to you what you're going to do. It's a free gift, but a gift can be offered and not received. Amen. I know Brother uh, Dwight O. Moody, he, he gave a great, great illustration. Dwight O. Moody pulled out a dollar bill and he says, anybody who will come take this dollar bill can have it. And young, one young man ran down the aisle and he stood in front of Dwight O. Moody and he stood up, st- stuck out his hand and Dwight O. Moody just stood there with that dollar bill. And there was a mom and a young boy in the back of the church and that mom said, slapped out her boy and said, go get that dollar bill. And that, you know, up, that second young boy, he ran down the aisle and he came up there and he yanked that boy, that dollar bill out of Dwight O. Moody's hands. And the first young boy that was just standing there waiting for it to be given to him, he said, uh, he started crying. And Dwight O. Moody said, I said, you need to come take it. You need to come take it. A gift can be offered and not received. You got to come take it. Jesus Christ is there. You got to come take it. What must I do to be saved? That question admits you need to do something about it. Now let's go on to the answer. This is the most important answer a saved person can give anybody. If anybody ever asks you about Jesus Christ or asks you why you go to church, your answer should be, you know what? You need to believe on Jesus Christ. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's why you you answer these questions with Bible answers. And here's the answer. And they said, notice first off, they said, it's a multiple witness. This isn't just one kook sitting on a mountain somewhere saying, hey, you got to do this, you got to do this. This is a multitude of witnesses. Can I dare say, millions of people would tell you the same thing. Millions of witnesses would say, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This is 2,000 years of, 
a born-again believer saying, hey, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, it says, they said, believe. They said, believe. It all starts with faith. It all starts with faith. Believe. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Now keep your finger here. We'll be back in Acts 16, but turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The great chapter of the Bible on faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what what the Word of God says about faith real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It all starts with faith. You've got to have faith. So the first thing you're going to tell somebody, the first answer you're going to give anybody is faith. Believe. Believe. Have faith. Not everybody's going to understand how everything works. You know what, guys? I can live to be 90 years old and study my Bible another 60 years 50 years, I'm not going to understand everything Dr. Ruttman understood about the Bible. You know why? God didn't give me the brain that he gave Dr. Ruttman. Some of y'all, have, some of y'all are a whole lot smarter than me. Some of y'all are going to understand a whole lot more about the Bible than I'm ever going to understand. But you know what it all goes back to, though? Belief. It's not about what you understand, it's what you believe. What do you have faith? Verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. So you got to have faith. Faith gives hope. Faith gives hope. Now let me give you a definition of, and it's a real good definition out of Webster's 1828. You need to understand the definition of hope. It's a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. That's what hope is. Hope differs from wishes or desires. Hope is not a wish or a desire, and it differs in this way. That's what Webster's 18.28 says. Hope differs from wish or desire in this way, that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. You might wish all day long, but that doesn't mean you think you're going to get it. A lot of us sit here and wish for a million dollars, but honestly, in our heart, we don't think we're ever going to get a million dollars. Amen, brother. Well, if you give it to me and I'll show you what to do with it, brother. But a wish or desire doesn't have the same thing a hope does. Hope, therefore, this is the definition of hope. Hope, therefore, always, listen, always gives pleasure or joy. Amen. Amen. Hope always gives pleasure. That's the, that's the definition of hope out of 1828. It always gives pleasure or joy, whereas wish and desire may produce or be accompanied with Pain and anxiety. See, hope is, hope is something that's very beautiful. Hope is a beautiful word. Hope is a beautiful way of saying, I hope for salvation. I'm hoping. I have, my faith is hope. That's a beautiful way of putting it. It brings pleasure. It bring, brings joy. I wish or desire. It says anxiety. I wish I get this. I have a desire to get this. But there's an anxiety there. You understand what the definition there is? And somewhere along the way, we, we took the word hope and kind of changed it around. But that's not the original intent for the word hope. Listen, you might wish for a million dollars, you might wish all day long, but I'm going to have hope in Jesus Christ. I'm going to have hope in Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 6. Look down at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You can't please God without first believing. That's God. Abraham started this whole Bible out, getting called out. Why Why did Abraham please God so much? Because he believed. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and God counted that to him for righteousness. In other words, God says, Abraham, you're righteous in my eyes simply because you believe me. 
How are you righteous in God's eyes today? By simply believing God and what Jesus Christ can do for you. You see how God gives you that same righteousness simply by believing God? It's impossible to please God without faith, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, when we talk about now faith is the substance of things hoped for, I was talking about hope. Hope is shown through faith. When you have a lot of faith, you're going to have a lot of hope. You have little faith, you're going to have little hope. You have big faith, you're going to have big hope. Guys, you need to have big faith. You need to keep on believing when it doesn't look like things are going to work out. Just keep on believing. Because you know in the end it does work out, amen. Even if you go in the grave and they throw dirt over your body, it's better off you're in that grave. You're in the arms of Jesus Christ in heaven. I told this a hundred times, but I really believe it. We're going to get up to heaven, and Jesus Christ is going to be showing us around, and we're going to be talking about how beautiful it is. And we're going to, of course, be so awe-inspired, and we're going to be, oh, Lord, this is so beautiful. And the Lord's going to look at us and say, I would have brought you up here a lot sooner, but you kept praying to stay down there. Yeah, because I just can't wait to pay more taxes. I just can't wait to have my back hurt just a little bit more, or my knees. Or my, come on, guys. Sometimes we've got to get serious and put, put a spiritual perspective on things. The world wants you to keep your eyes on the flesh and on this world. And God, through the whole word of God, he's always trying to say, keep your, take your eyes off everything and believe spiritually. Believe, have faith, believe. Believe in those things you can't see. You can't see Jesus Christ. You've never seen Jesus Christ. But you're amen in everything I'm saying about Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have faith. You have faith to believe that Jesus Christ really did exist. He walked on this earth. And some of you might say, I know he be- I believe he exists because he lives in my heart today. Amen. Amen. Without faith is impossible to please him. But guys, it's not enough just to believe in God. You got Because the devils believe. Look at James. Look at James chapter 2. Just keep on turning to the right. James chapter 2. This is the great, greatest answer you can give somebody. James chapter 2 verse 19. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, what's the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Is that not the answer? It's, it's, not, it's just not enough to believe there is a God or believe there is a Jesus Christ. You've got to believe on Him. Look at verse 19, James 2, 19. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The devil believes in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, you read through your Bible and Jesus Christ runs into those demons. What do they do? I don't believe in you. No, they hit their knees and go, what do we do with thee, the son of the most high God? <laughs> Man, well, well, they're saved. Get them in the church. Let's baptize them. No, they're devils. They believe. They won't repent. They won't turn. They won't take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's a difference there. It's not just enough to believe in God or believe that Jesus Christ walked on the earth or believe that he came up from the grave. You've got to believe on him. Turn to John chapter 3. I'll show this to you. John chapter 3. I'm giving you some verses just so you can, I can back up what I'm trying to preach this morning so you'll know it's coming out of the Word of God. It's not my opinion. Who cares what I have to say about something? We want to know what the Word of God says about something. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. It's not enough to believe in Jesus Christ. You must believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a difference between the word in and, believe, and the word on, and I'm about to show it to you. 
Verse 16. Everybody knows this verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice it says in. And it says should. If you believe on Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, you should be saved. There's a difference between in and on. There's a difference between should and shall. I learned this, I learned this real strong working in a landfill for the state of Texas. When you take these, working around a landfill at the state of Texas, they require you to take these certain tests. There's certain things you can't, and I don't know if Joker remembers taking this, there's certain things you can't do and you can't take at a landfill. Let me give you an example. You can't take tires at a landfill. A landfill in the state of Texas is not allowed to take tires. But there's certain things you can take, and there's certain things you can do. And what they'll do is they'll give, you, they'll give you all these instructions, and then they'll give you a test. And in the fine tradition of the state of Texas, they try to fool you through this whole test. It isn't an easy test where they give you multiple choice and try to give you just the answers. They try to fool you, which I hate those kind of tests. It's hard enough to know the information. Don't try to fool me. I'm stupid. Just give, is it, let me just give you but they try to, So this is how they try to fool you. They'll say this. A landfill in the state of Texas, this is one of the questions, a landfill in the state of Texas should not take tires. And that sounds right, doesn't it? And if you're reading through that question, you'll say, that's true, and you'll mark true. That's false. That's false. Because should means, should says it's a suggestion. Should is a suggestion. The word should is a suggestion. So whenever the law says you should not do that, they're suggesting you shouldn't do it. But when the law says the state of Texas shall, the uh, landfill in the state of Texas shall not take tires, you know what that means? You better not take tires. That's a law. When God gave the Ten Commandments, He didn't say, Thou should not commit adultery, did He? He said, Thou shall not. There's a difference between should and shall. And when we were taking this test, our teacher stood up and He said, I'm going to give you all the best advice I can give you. Mr. Stapley told me this told all of us this. He turned around at the blackboard and he said, this is the word should, this is the word shall. And there's a big difference. And he explained what should and shall means. Should is a suggestion. Shall means you better do it. It's a law. It's determined. It's going to happen. And he said, they're going to try to trick you through this whole test with should and shall. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, you should not perish. Because if you went far enough to believe in Jesus Christ, then you should have believed on Jesus Christ. And in, there's a difference between in and on. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. See that? You believe on Jesus Christ, you're not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You might know Jesus Christ, but you've not believed on Jesus Christ. And you're condemned. Skip down to verse 36. He that believeth on, O in, the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It all starts with belief. It all ends with belief. What are you believing on? You can't just believe in something. You've got to believe on something. See, there's a transitional period. It's not a should thing, it's a shall thing. This doesn't say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. It says, shall be saved. That's a definite statement. That's why that's up above my head. Because I can stand on that. I can stand on that. 
If somebody walks down this aisle, I can stand on that and say, God said, if you'll call on his name, you shall be saved. I'm standing on that. He didn't say you should be saved. That's why John 3, 16 is not up here. Because it said you should be saved. That's up here because it says you shall be saved. Because if you'll put your name on him and call on him, you shall be saved. You got to call on him. There's a difference between believe in and believe on. I can believe in a surgeon. That's the best surgeon that's ever existed. That man's a very good surgeon, but I don't believe on that surgeon until I lay my body down and let him cut on me. You understand? Yeah. Amen. You can say, I believe in him. He's a great surgeon. But until you lay down and you let that surgeon cut on you, you don't believe on him. You can believe in Jesus Christ, but until you take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and say, I'm going to trust him to get me to heaven, you haven't believed on him. You haven't believed on him. What was that guy's name? Walt, Walinda? Yeah. Walinda, the tightroper? Yeah. Man, that tightrope walker, that tightrope walker was walking across the Grand Canyon. Man, he was a blessing to me because uh, Linda, Sister Linda told me about him. And, and I turned over there and he's walking across the Grand Canyon. The whole time, what's he doing while he's walking across the Grand Canyon? Praise Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. He did that for what? An hour. <laughs> On national TV, live national TV. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, this. What a blessing. So then he did it again. He went between two skyscrapers. I don't know if it's in Chicago or New York, but two skyscrapers. He walked a tightrope across these two skyscrapers doing the same thing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did live TV. If he does that a third time, I'm not even going to turn on the TV. <laughs> he's did it. Amen. I believe he can do it. That's why he's not on TV again because we've seen him go across Grand Canyon. We've seen him go across two skyscrapers. We believe he can do it. Amen. We believe in him. But if they say, hey, Keegan, why don't you jump on his back and let him carry you across? That gets pretty exciting then, doesn't it? That's called believing on him. I can say all day long, yeah, I believe in him. I believe he can do that. Until Linda turns around and says, hey, Keegan, get on my back. And if I say, okay, yeah, I'll get on your back. You know what I'm doing then? I'm believing on him. You get that concept? It's not just belief. It's not just knowing that there's a Savior. You've got to put your faith on Him. <laughs> That's why these people get all messed up. They think they, they know there's a Jesus Christ, but they've never trusted in Jesus Christ. That's why there can be all these different denominations, different religions. And you say, well, they say Jesus Christ, but they don't believe on Jesus Christ. They don't know Jesus Christ like we know Him. They're thinking they're going to do something, and then Jesus Christ is going to be along for the ride. God don't work that way. You don't do nothing for your salvation. They think they're going to pray to Mary and do this, that, and do these beads, and, and Jesus Christ is kind of like off in the corner. That's not believing on Jesus Christ. That's over here saying, I believe in Mary, and I believe in Joseph, and I believe in Jesus Christ. But see, as I, what I'm trying to tell you is, I've put all my faith on Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't believe in all this nonsense. I not only believe in Him, I believe on Him. Because if it wasn't, if it's not for Jesus Christ, I'm going to hell. It's believe on Him. It's believe on Him. It's not enough to believe in Him. It's believe on Him. Look at Romans chapter ten. Look at Romans chapter ten. I know there's not a whole lot of new stuff I'm giving you this morning. This isn't any kind of new doctrine to anybody, but it's stuff that needs to be told. It's stuff that needs to be preached. It's stuff we need to understand. That when somebody asks us a question, we got the greatest answer to give them. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When you say to believe on is something you do with your heart, not just with your head. When you believe on Jesus Christ, it's something you do with your heart, not just with your head. See verse 10? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, it's not enough just to have head knowledge in Jesus Christ or have head knowledge of Jesus Christ. You've got to believe with your heart on Jesus Christ. See where I'm trying to take this to another level? You don't want to just be walking around and say, yeah, there's Jesus Christ. And no, I believe. Now listen to me. I believe Jesus Christ literally can walk through those back doors this morning. Amen. And that should scare you and it scares me. Because if my Savior busts those doors open back there, somebody's going to answer. And I want to be right with my Lord. See, you understand what I'm saying? Lord, He rules me. He's my King. He's the Lord, Jesus Christ. He walks in. He is the ruler of everything. He could say, die, and I would fall dead. He could say, alive, and I'd be alive. This guy is the Lord. And when you believe, start having that kind of heart knowledge that when I, whatever I'm doing outside of church, Jesus Christ is watching everything I do. Why? Because He's alive. He's living in me. It's got to be not only in, it's got to be on, and it's got to be with the heart. Because see, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. So your heart's what gets you righteous with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does the mouth have to do with it? Simply this, your mouth shows where your heart's at. Your mouth shows where your heart's at. When you're in love and you had that one you love so much, didn't you want them with their mouth to say that, I love you? Amen. Amen. You, yes. Some of y'all don't want to say amen. <laughs> well, maybe you need a husband or wife to tell you they love you. They need to tell you. You need to hear that, amen. Because when they say that to you, that shows you where their heart's at. Sometimes you get too much of it. Because every time I talk to my son, when I get through talking to my son, I say, well, I love you, and I'll hang up the phone. Well, I love you, and I hang up the phone. I say that every time. That's just me. Maybe I'm a cre- creepy old dad or something. I don't know. That's just the way I do. I love you, son. And the other day I was on the phone with somebody at work, and I almost said, I love you. <laughs> and I, ca- <laughs> I caught myself, and I'm like, man, I would have never have lived that down. <laughs> man. <laughs> So you can't take it a little too far. It gets too repetitive. But in my heart, I do love my son. And thank God that maybe I don't love that guy enough to where I... I, 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 Okay, we'll see you later. Click and hang up the phone. I didn't say I love you because I caught myself. Ah, brother, I don't love him like I love my son. I don't mind telling him. I I tell some of y'all men around, I love you all the time. Huh? The ones on the phone that I hang up on? Uh, next time I'll do that, brother. I'll do that. I'll say, I love you. That's what my friend Raymond says at church. I love you. <laughs> brother, but when you've been around men at work, you don't do that at work. We live in a strange society. You don't say you love other men, that people take that wrong nowadays. <laughs> around this church, y'all know where we're at. You know where we stand. When I say I love you, you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> this isn't some Caitlyn Jenner kind of love, you know. <laughs> 
this is, this, is, this is brotherly love. You know, what's that song? That I'm, I'm trying to get Brother Wade and Matt to sing it with me. And that song, he said, when God, he said, when God said, love your brother, I don't think he meant like that. <laughs> Talk about two men loving each other. He said, when God said, love your brother, I don't think he meant like that. So. Amen. Amen, brother. Well, I'm way off. On a way off. Go back to, let's, let's, let's try to go back to Acts 16 and finish this up. Acts chapter 16, please. I'm way off on a rabbit trail. That's all because of Brother Raymond. I'll blame you again, brother. But yeah, you, but you need to say that. It's important to say stuff with your mouth. You need to tell people you appreciate them. You need to tell people that you love them. You need to tell people how much you think of them. It's important. Words are important. Man, words are very important. Some of the most amazing things that ever happened to me is the things people have said to me and called, on, either called me on the phone and said to me or said to me in person, man, I appreciate that stuff. So I try to give that back. I try to say stuff. I appreciate people. You need to say it. One of the saddest things I ever hear from people, and I know y'all have some dad, some of it's come from y'all. I know y'all have had dads like this. Some of y'all have told me I had a dad, but he never really told me he loved me, but he showed me. See, that's sad to me. I think he should have not only showed you, I think he should have said it. You know, I think if you say it enough, you'll show it. I really believe that. Words are powerful. And I know you can say, I love you, I love you, love you, and not show it. I know that. We know that. We've been in relationships like that. But I'm saying if, if you really love somebody, you need to open and confess it with your mouth. If you really love Jesus Christ, you need to confess it with your mouth. You know, whenever I wanted to marry this sweet girl, they made me get up and confess it in front of a bunch of people. Amen. You have to say, I do. Yeah, you do. They make you get up in front of a bunch of people and say, I do. And she had to say, I do. Amen. Amen. So if you're going to accept Jesus Christ, you're not going to sneak in. Amen. Jesus, God wants you to confess him. I'll tell you what Jesus said. He said, confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Yeah. I didn't say that. That's what the Lord said. Amen. Confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels of heaven. Deny me before men, I'll deny you for the angels of heaven. Mm. Confession's important. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me. And he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.